I got out of the mud section and I looked back and I didn't see anyone. You were last? <laughs> I don't think I was actually last, but I like it I was close. What is up, party people? Just a quick intro today, as you probably already know from the show title, that today's episode is all things Unbound. We've got controversy, hot takes, inside the ropes, and more, so stay tuned. Oh, and by the way, this will be the last episode for a couple weeks as I'll be traveling internationally to race the Migration Gravel Stage Race in Kenya. So, no show for the next couple weeks, but I promise as soon as I get back, we will get back to our regular recordings. All right, let's get this party started. We, we use the Yeti Nano, and it seems to work pretty good. Yeti Blue Nano. Oh, I have or Blue, wait, blue Yeti right. Nano or something I like that. I have an extra one that Caitlin sent me back. Do you want me to send it to you? Yeah, dude. Send that through. Yeah. Does it come with a cooler? <laughs> I wish. Dude, it comes with a bite. <laughs> Tyler, Astro. the the microphone that you have, a buddy of mine was telling me that you have to pretend like you're eating it mm-hmm. like a hot dog. Like that's how so, you have to present it to your face. Yeah, the, that's how you do it. Like right right next to your mouth like that. I'm I'm just right training, on your training mouth. to be the next Joey Chestnut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Probably much, much better. Increase the the resale value with your drool all over it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or increase depends on the fan. Uh, right, so, so we're here to talk uh, about Snake Alley crit. Yeah, dude. Oh, that is why this is gonna, that's why this is going to be the most popular episode because it's Snake Alley. That's right. Dude, last time you were on here, Drew, you even said that you didn't think there's any chance you were going to repeat. I didn't. And and I believed you so much that I didn't even tune in to see who won the race for like almost a week later. I didn't win Snake Alley, if that's what you're getting at. I won you didn't? one of the I won. See, I made the same yeah. I made the same mistake. I Adam, I made the it's... same mistake. I thought that he had won the race and then he was like, I didn't win the race. And I was like, What why were you on top of a podium then? Yeah. Yeah. In that video yeah, I the video so. you guys um, put out said back to back. Yeah, that's back to back. The quick star crit, which is the fourth day. <laughs> Snake Alley, is, <laughs> Snake Alley is the second day. See, he's like did you misled all. That's good. He, that's clickbait. Misled right all his social media followers. Drew, like you can just sign off now. Did you uh, see out the first right. three days? No, no, I got uh, <laughs> I got eighth and fourth, and then a teammate got second, and then I won the last day. Yeah. So what is the back to back? You won the Quick Start crit last year. Yeah, I won the Quick. I won last year. I won Snake Alley and Quick Star. This year, I got fourth at Snake Alley and won Quick Star. All right. The other notable thing that happened to Drew and I, Drew, you want to show oh. the audience what you're drinking your coffee out of? This is the only reason I'm on this <laughs> podcast right now. Wow. <laughs> Oh Look well, this. this is a okay. On, this is on. a this is a podcast, so no one can see. But basically, <laughs> our wives slash girlfriends got us this mug that says "Cycling Partners for Life," and then on the back, there's a picture of Drew and I, and we're labeled. Uh, and we're, we're like riding down a <laughs> riding down the funny part. They a had trail. To, they had to make sure, like, oh look, I made sure to give Drew a red shirt. And dude, and, are we? Are we riding gravel there? I don't know. It, it's definitely not good pavement because there's cracks in the pavement. Yeah, yeah it's like a bike path. But so, but are Dale you guys holding edgy. hands? Look at how. <laughs> look, I'm, I don't know why they wow. just put you in all black because you always just wear all black. Like, but they gave you a white. No, hoodie. dude, that looks like my kit. It's a like a white jersey and oh. black pants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. edgy. 
I'll draw, I'll draw some. Uh, well, you're wearing a hoodie. I was gonna say I'll draw some little tattoos on your arms too, but yeah, a shark to post. <laughs> yeah. So whoever mm. made that mug definitely thought that we were a couple, but we're actually just cycling friends for life. Yeah. So <laughs> it's what they all say. The coffee tastes. The coffee tastes so much better out of this cup. <laughs> so 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 Dylan, did you? Can can we talk about the fact that your your cycling buddy for life just just bested your twenty minute PR? Mm. I wait. What? No, I I'm think, the one I who bested. It. It. Yeah, I think you got it. I back. know you, you mixed it up, it, bro. So no, got, you bested his. I didn't do. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, we're. T- I so I, I we texted Drew. That. <laughs> so I, 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 that's the other reason. That's the other reason why Drew is on. I texted Drew. I was like. I just said 402 watts, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. I think about. all it was was 402, and I knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what it was. It took me about three seconds, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> are, you guys talking about, are you guys talking about sprint power? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about. So I did a 20 I, – I didn't even intend to do a 20-minute test. I just wanted to do some openers for this weekend, and I got like mm. 10 minutes in, and I was like, I feel amazing. I'm just going to go another 10 minutes. And uh, I did 402 watts for 20 minutes. And previously up to this point, both Drew and I's 20-minute power had been 391. So you got to step it up, bro. Granted, mine was the week after – arrest like a two oh, weeks okay so if we're if we're making excuses <laughs> so mine was my, four so days after saying, unbound my baseline is 391 <laughs> your peak is 402 okay but but Oof. dude my if we're gonna make excuses mine was four days after unbound you guys know what my first response to his text was besides no i can't I'm remember scratching you off it. my coffee mug <laughs> no <laughs> you didn't calibrate your power meter <laughs> yeah that was my second response <laughs> It wasn't calibrated. Was it the same bike you used at Unbound? Because that could be unreliable. It was not the same bike. It was a different <laughs> bike. All right. There you go. But I did do the test on 47 Pathfinders. So Whew. those the, uh, that, that must have been where the extra 11 watts came from. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, that, that, that sure helped with the The ride was so smooth, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of 47 um, Pathfinders, what's with everyone running 47 Pathfinders and getting flat tires? Yeah, Pathfinders had a lot of flats, man. I flatted the the flat that I got was on the 47 Pathfinder this weekend. Um, so yeah, so was Russell. It's, I, if you ride the 32 yeah. Pathfinders, it take it'll it's less likely to get a flat because it touches less of the road. So it's like exactly it, it it's like half you like you you cut your flat edge percentage in half. Because you're literally only touching half of the area. That 30, you're 32 is not half of 47. <clears throat> yeah, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Close to half. Yeah. If you pump them up a little harder too, it it rate in you know physics. Yeah. Right for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, Pathfinders. Pathfinders got a lot of flats. I even actually switched out the rear tire because of the mud to a uh, a slick like a 44 slick. So I'd have a little bit more mud clearance and it made absolutely no difference whatsoever. I still <laughs> rode the mud section absolutely horribly. I look, I got, I got out of the mud section and I looked back and I didn't see anyone. You were last. <laughs> I don't think I was actually last, but I like it. I was close. <laughs> Jeez. So why did you, why did you try to ride it then? If you, if you rode it that slow, why didn't you just run? 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I should have done. Um, and like, it, here's so so. There's like a controversy now about whether they should have taken out that section or kept it in. I want to hear your guys' opinion, but I feel like I, I feel like I f- need to describe it for you before you give your input because I see a lot of people online right now who didn't do the race who are like, "Oh, dude, like toughen up." It's you know, it's just mud. Um, <laughs> I will say that mud mud in a gravel race is cool because it kind of tests riders' bike handling abilities. And then, you know, if you've got a little bit better bike handling ability, like maybe you get a gap. And, oh, know, yeah, that's that mud cool. section at the mid, mud south, Mid-South last year was awesome. <clears throat> Remember, you could like, you could, but yeah. you could ride that one and not get destroyed. It, they're, they're not even comparable. Yeah, like, that's what I, like, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, but anyway, so it's kind of cool because it tests riders' bike handling ability. What I have to say about the unbound mud section, first of all, it was way longer. It was four miles long. Second of all, it doesn't test bike handling ability at all because what happens when you try to ride it is your bike just gets gunked up with mud and then you have to stop and get the mud out of your bike. So it's not like it's testing riders' bike handling ability. And if you want further proof that that's the case, riders that are really good at cyclocross like Carrie Warner were back there with me. While somehow, like, riders like, you know, Pete Stetna, Lawrence Tendam, Adam Roberge somehow got to the front group. Didn't Keegan ride Shots the whole fired. thing, too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did, yeah, I did see pictures and video of Keegan <laughs> riding it. And I think the reason why he was able to ride it was because that new Santa Cruz that he's on has clearance for, like, 2.2 mountain bike tires. And he ran, I don't know what tires he ran, but they look like well, 38s you know or something. You know what tires? No, he dude, ran. he didn't have refuses. He had like a prototype Max really? tire. Yeah, they looked like Ramblers. Yeah, I don't. I think they're. I think they're a prototype. Anyway, so so I think just because he had so much clearance in his bike, he was able to ride it. But you know, that's not because of his bike hand. Like I I saw I saw a post saying like, oh, you know, how was Keegan able to ride the mud when so many so many others had to run. And then to like, I know, I know that they're just hyping each other up and this isn't, they're not like taking this seriously, but Tobin commented like, oh, he just kept the throttle down. Um, that's, it doesn't matter how many Watts you have, like you could be doing a thousand Watts through the whole thing. And if you don't have enough clearance, you're not going to go anywhere. Um, like it has nothing to do with being able to keep the throttle down. Like I know, I know they're just hyping each other up, but, but it's like, it doesn't have anything to do with power output and it doesn't have anything to do with bike handling skills. Yeah. That being said, remember we were talking before, like a few weeks ago that like, if it was going to be a muddy day at unbound, you were considering running your mountain bike with 47s. That way you'd have more clearance. And that's exactly it. Like if you've got more clearance, one, you're going to have way less drag on on your tires um but two like Mm -hmm. you can actually ride it right yeah i mean that bike would have been good for that section and then would have been bad for the rest of the course but i you know i could have gone that way and 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 i'm i'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because bike setup is part of gravel racing like having i i try to do better in bike races all the time by having a better bike setup than everyone else i'm not saying that that's a bad thing but i guess Right. And I want to hear your guys' opinion on it. What do you guys think about them leaving that section in versus them taking that section out? Like what what should they have done there? Because there are people on both sides saying, oh, like that's part of gravel. And then there are people like, 
oh, I didn't go, you know, I didn't spend thousands of dollars and, you know, travel all the way to Kansas to race my bike for 11 miles before my derailleur snapped. I think there's a, there's a couple of things for it. One, the first is like, if, if a feature is gimmicky, right. I don't like when they leave it in courses. And most of my experience is related to cross stuff. And it's like, if half the court, if there's a section of course that's underwater and promoters just like leave it in that to me is just dumb because it's, it's not testing anything. It's just who wants to trash their equipment the most, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or so who's the I, best runner? Oh, I love those. <laughs> I love those races. When you have to run half the cross race, that's when I excel because I'm you way probably, better at running than I am riding my bike. You probably would have liked on Ben then. Well, Drew, there's a whole discipline for you that doesn't involve bikes then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, but, but those you know, are like, faster at running than I am. I don't think I don't think that I, I'll give the the promoters a benefit of the doubt and say that I don't think that they left that mud section in there because it was gonna be gimmicky. They they wanted to see oh let's see all these riders try to like ride this mud section. You know mm-hmm. when I first when I first saw pictures of people getting off, I mean it just happens that someone like that looks slick at the start. You know based on the Instagram stories and you know, people lose a little bit of traction. They start going sideways and then it just causes a whole kind of backup and you have to get off. But watching Carrie's unedited section of that, the mud wasn't just slick. And sometimes you can mitigate that. You know, you can, if you have good handling skills, you can get through slick mud. But when Mm -hmm. it starts to turn to like clay, peanut butter, and it just like picks up on your bike, like that is, that is not, (laughs) that's like when you get off and you just start running. Wouldn't know yeah. that's said it if it's another you know three point seven five miles that you have to run <laughs> or walk like that's it's a bit it's a bit excessive but the, I mean you know you're talking about equipment like you know do you, it's part of the game though I mean you got to keep your equipment safe and you got to know when you're getting to that limit of like you know oh there's a lot of mud building up on my tires which is going to put stress mm-hmm. on the derailleur and everything else like maybe it's better if I get off and walk from this point. Um, so yeah. I, I, I think it's fine that they left it in. I don't know that they could have predicted the, you know, how gnarly it, it, it was. So let me give uh, a little pushback on that, that they okay. couldn't have predicted how bad it was going to be. Well, hold on. They knew, I, they knew I, I, I how did, bad it was going to be. They were hyping that section up for weeks. Was gonna be? Do they yeah, know how bad the finish We'll get to that. We'll get to the finish. Teaser. No, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get to all the controversies. Don't, let's not skip forward. Um, right. they knew exactly how bad that section, first of all, they knew exactly how bad that section could be because months before the race, they were like, Oh, this is the hike a bike from 2015. And the other thing that I'll say about that is that rerouting the course because of mud is not unprecedented at unbound. The first time I did unbound in 2018, it was very similar conditions, like mostly a dry course, but they had one section that was terrible mud. They actually rerouted around the mud and on the starting line of the race with five minutes to go before we, you know, before we started the race, they were like, we are rerouting around a mud section at mile 20. All of your GPSs will be wrong. Just continue going. It's, it's going to be fine. I mean, so yeah. Okay. So if they knew, if they knew it was going to happen, then I... I don't know. I, I kind of sit on on both sides where it's like, yeah, if you knew how bad it was, then maybe you take it out. But also, I mean, I think that people have these like catalog of additions, especially if they've done mm-hmm. them in, in the past. Like everybody remembers Unbound or sorry, not Unbound, Mid-South from 2020 because of how gnarly it was. And Dizzle mm-hmm. got, you know, on the podium or something like that. 
that's not why people <laughs> remember seven, it, but they remember years. it because of the mud. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing for other editions of Unbound, right? Where like two years ago, it was so hot that people were yeah. just like having issues. And last year, it was just a beautiful day. And this year, it's, it's like the mud year. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's gimmicky or that they, yeah. you know, it, it's just a different edition. I yeah. don't think so, the gimmicky so, was a word, so I looked it up, and it means intended to attract of attention, publicity, <laughs> or trade. And an example is gimmicky 3D effects. I didn't think it was a real word. I thought you guys. So, do you that. think it's? Do you think it was gimmicky or not? Um, uh, well, before you guys even said the word gimmicky, I literally was going to say, "Well, it got them some attention." We're talking about it right now on this podcast, so I, I guess what you're what you're trying to determine is if they. Put left it in there intending for it to get attention or if they left it in there for it to just be a part of the race and i don't yeah. know there's probably a little what bit if both, so both. the pro the pro race already had a separate start from the amateur race what if they had just left it in for the pros and then the amateurs rerouted around because the amateurs have to pay for their own bikes and pay for their own travel to get there right i bet half the Bro, pros I, have to pay for a lot of i mean stuff. yeah most pros I mean, are paying yeah. for their bikes too <laughs> Like, I mean, right, right. I don't but, know. I, but you see, but you see the argument I'm making. So, so here, yeah, here's yeah. what I have to say Where, is, so, yeah, go ahead. It, when, when this section isn't muddy, so it's not super wet and gunked up. I don't mm-hmm. think this section has much to offer. Like it's not a super technical section when it's dry. Am I wrong? Well, there's just not a lot of technical sections in general when it's dry. I mean, it's, it's a Correct. pretty basic race. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, if, if you're going to throw in a feature or, you know, a section of course that's going to try and, like, split the field and, and form an, an early selection, like, make it to, like like you said kind of early on, like, make it where it takes some skill to get through it mm-hmm. and, like, it actually separates the riders based on, like, performance, not luck. And, and, and I'm sorry, but... I think it's kind of luck on Keegan's side too that his bike didn't gunk up more than it did. Like it, it very well could have. Like if he would have ridden partly in the grass yeah. and like picked well, up some grass, like his bike could have gunked up with grass. Or is his? You could, you, know, like, you could call it. I mean, you could call it luck, or you could call it preparation, right? And I think Keegan, if Keegan was on this podcast right now, he would argue that it was preparation. Now it is sort of lucky, I guess, that his bike sponsor just happens to have a gravel frame with tire clearance for freaking mountain bike tires and he ran you know a tire that's much smaller than that um but you know yeah but what uh, i'm what i'm saying i mean he did the best that he could right like like it mm -hmm. you know like but if the section was two miles longer and he had picked up another 10 percent of mud like his frame Mm -hmm. could have clogged up so it's like how can you predict over four miles like how quickly your frame is going to clog up you know like you can do the best you can but it's still at some point there is there is a bit of luck. Like why didn't why didn't Tobin's bike clear it? Like he was on the same bike. You know something happened yeah. with Tobin. Um, yeah, I what I'm finding. I, I feel like I'm finding that the <laughs> the front group that made it through the mud section well. Obviously they 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 seem to be either indifferent about it or fine about it. But by the way, I I'm like it may sound from listening to the first part of this podcast like i'm pissed about the mud i honestly don't know how to feel about it is is my honest feeling like i, mean, I don't I, know I whether like, it should I be like i like the fact not. that you popped out like a hundredth place and had to fight your way back to top 20 like that to me is sick like that's that's so mm-hmm. cool that that happened um but it also sucks that like you had fitness probably for top 10 you know, but, but so did a, a dozen other guys. Like, and, yeah. it, and it's hard to say. I mean, like it, it really does bring attrition into the, into the mix 
And that's what yeah. this race is supposed to be about is like, it is a race of attrition for the most part. For sure. Um, you know, and, and there's some guys probably that, you know, their bikes clog up 10 miles in and they just throw in the towel. Cause they're like, they're over. Yeah. It. So, so that's a good point. So Nina, my girlfriend, she actually, even though I rode the mud section <clears throat> so terribly and it was in such a bad position when I came out, she actually thinks I, I placed better in the race because of the mud section, because her point was that without the mud section, all of these super fast dudes who either pulled out or like gave up mentally, like they, they finished the race, but after the mud section, they were like checked out. They're like, I'm out of the lead group. So I'm just going to ride zone two for the rest of the day. Her point was that if they hadn't had the mud section, there would have been a lot more fast riders still in the race for me to contend with. And I might've placed worse. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said last week. That some people just check out when they face adversity yeah. in a race. Yeah, it's for like, sure. There's a little bit of rain. There's mud. There's you know, it's too hot. It's too cold. Whatever. They just kind of check out. So yeah, and to me, like I would rather, I would rather see Guilty. that mud section at mile ten for that reason, to where like there's still a lot of race left. And if if that came at mile like one sixty or one eighty, and that yeah. was a de- determining factor for who won the race. That would be stupid. Mm-hmm. I would hate that. This is literally why I do crits. I only have to wash. My bike. <laughs> I only have to wash my bike like once a year. I don't think I've ever washed my new Cervelo. Maybe wow. like wiped it down. Never nice. washed it. <laughs> Never had to dip it in a river mid race. <laughs> dude, I took my I took my bike to the bike shop this week, and dude, they already knew I was coming. They just <clears> like anytime I go into the bike shop, they're just like, "Oh, this guy." <laughs> but especially after last week, and the guy was like, "The guy was like, did you see the picture of you dipping your bike in the water?" And I was like, "Dude, I was there. I was the one doing it." <laughs> but like even after the mud section my my bike was still like the mud was still rubbing on my bike and i couldn't get it out so when i hit that creek i was like i have to get this mud out and the water helped a lot but like the mud was so caked on my bike that i was getting dropped by women up climbs doing 450 watts by the way, at one point in the race, there were four women ahead of me. And why why didn't you have your your pit crew ready with a full power washer and you know new parts to throw on there as well? So you get a <laughs> massage at the first checkpoint or something like that. Yeah, if we're if we're talking about the spirit of gravel and whether uh, like aero bars should be allowed because they're too expensive, why don't we talk about having a pit crew with a power washer? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> It, are we are we transitioning from the mud because mm. I have thoughts on that on that particular topic? But go shoot. I just I understand uh, the spirit of Hot competition, dog. right? As long as oh yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's better. As long as there's uh, as long as there's prize money on the line or prestige or like the allure of winning a big bike race, there's going to be people that take advantage of of situations right that's either running aero bars or finding a a different setup or having a pit crew of five people uh to do everything on your bike it just seems like it just seems like it's a it's further separating the the haves and the have-nots within Mm -hmm. like the elite field where now i feel like if there's another muddy year of unbound it's like you have to have a team of five plus people there to be at every aid station to power wash your bike to do you know one person pumping up each tire and it just is 
I don't know, you know, you talk about, we joke about the spirit of gravel, but I think Logan said it best last week, which was, um, you know, people are going to the 350 because of that, you know, sense of adventure and that, you know, kind of DIY sort of nature that, that gravel has. And yet now you see the, the 200 and it's like every guy and, and woman that's in the, the front group has their entire pit crew there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, I, it kind of rubs me the wrong way where it's like, yeah, and cross, you have, you know, two people in the pit for you and there's bike washing, but I don't know when it's a, when it's a gravel race and that can mean the difference between making the front group or, or not. And I don't know, it just kind of, it's not based on fitness anymore. Now it's based on how much budget do you have to pay people or rope people into, I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I hate that's that why part. I hate that part of I hate that part of cyclocross too. I hate asking people to stand in the pits while I race my bike. I literally <laughs> hate that. Like, yeah, I've yeah. never felt good about asking somebody to go stand in the pits with my bike. Like half the time, I just want to go put my bike in there and hope I don't need it. Um, you can do that. What else was I going to say? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another reason why I do crits because you get a free lap, free laps. Like who does that? that is, like, dude, you can that's just sit lame, there man. and the that's and the lame. bike race keeps going while you no, fix your dude, bike. That is so you lame, get, man. You get free that laps. That is so awesome. That's the lamest part of a crit is dude. a free lap. There's no other have, form of I, bike racing where and that's there's acceptable. neutral support. I don't have to ask somebody to stand there. They just fix my bike for me, and they're strangers. It's like <laughs> amazing. Like. I Come mean, on. there's neutral crit support at a cross race too. I'm like too, convincing but... my. You guys are. I'm convinced, <clears throat> dude. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, going better. going back to it, Tyler. Like, uh, you know, I I left the sport of cyclocross for that reason because the logistics were just like way too crazy. Like to to compete, mm-hmm. you know, like in the top ten, like you've got to have a pit crew, you got to have a pit bike, you got to have everybody's like got seven sets of wheels. They all have a dude. And most yeah. of the time, the dude is their dad. Lance Hayda, it's his dad. Curtis White, well, he's got a. It's like sometimes it's his dad. Which Tobin, I mean, that's tight if, if you like, can make that work. But you know, like yeah, I, I couldn't. Have a dude. You know, I I didn't have. I mean, I I if there was a race that I could drive to with some local people, like they would pit for me, and that was amazing. But the races that I had to fly to, mm-hmm. like most time, I had no one, and most time yeah. I'd show up with one bike because I couldn't even need, afford to. F- you chuck two bikes. More friends. <laughs> Cyclocross is so much expense and travel for a one hour race. And that was it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. doing all that yeah. for yeah two one hour races. But like going back to Unbound, though, like if you're going to allow people to have power washers, you're going to allow people to have like spare parts. Every single spare part can get replaced except the frame. It's like, well, me, I'd rather just like let me bring a second bike then. Like why? That's way yeah. easier mm-hmm. than bringing, you know, 10 people in a power washer and spare parts. It's like, you know, if you got a second bike, just you do do that. Like, it's even worse than cyclocross I in think, my mind. I think it's against the rules to <clears throat> switch bikes, but you're saying... I know it's against the rule, and, it's, and, and that's stupid. Like... He's saying that, like, the the whole, like, the whole having two bikes thing is, is because not everybody has two bikes, but the, the, the part, like, what he's saying is, like, now pros are just swapping everything else, which, which Mm -hmm. is even harder. Like, that's even worse than having a second bike. Like, that makes the disparity even bigger. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I could just put a pit bike with, you know, John Vargas from Orange Seal and like roll through and just hop on that thing instead of like trying to rely on people having and like having you know, thousands yeah. of dollars and dr- drivetrain parts on the side. And like, it's just like, so, so what do you think, what do you think the solution is here? Do you think the solution is for them to have a rule about how many people are allowed to work on your bike? 
Just have, so you low. can have one. You can have one swanier. You know, like it's okay. the same thing at like, like one, all the cross races. Yeah, like they give you in in like European cross races, they give you a packet, and every person sometimes it depends mm. on how good you are, depending on, and they'll give you like a certain number of wristbands. But like you get two pit passes, you get one pass for the start finish line, and like mm-hmm. that's it. You know, you you don't get five or you know it's not just unlimited and that's mostly because it's tight spaces in the pits and you can't like you know have six people there with your own their own power washers and whatever um yeah and so as like again i it apparently didn't really matter that you know (laughs) there uh, that sophia had this like power wash crew and i don't that's the only video that i saw maybe there were other people in the race that that had the same thing did she win i I think i think canyon had a power washer too yeah yeah which is which is smart right if it's a muddy mm-hmm. year and you have the the capacity or the, the ability to like have t- those people there with those tools then like yeah that's smart and maybe it saved you know maybe it allowed those people to be in the front group uh i don't know it, it's but it is just <clears throat> this like it's this arms race now where next year you've got to have like the crews just get bigger and bigger. No longer is it your girlfriend or your wife or your mom or your buddy just standing in the middle of Kansas. Now it's like they're putting up tents at rest stops. They're jumping from, you know, uh, station to station. And there's like a full crew that's there. Mm-hmm. And if that's the difference, right. if that becomes a difference between what determines where you place in the end, then that's the part that just rubs me personally the wrong way. And I think a solution would be you get two wristbands, you know, and then that's it. You got two. You have a pit crew of two. And then you know, if you have two people, great. If you don't have two people, you know, well, <laughs> yeah. And you know, someone, someone out there listening is gonna is gonna you know write in, and they're gonna be like, you know, well, that's what Formula One does. You know, you can change everything except like the you know the the body of the car. And it's like Formula One's got a bajillion times more money in this sport than than we do. Like, but look, it's not it's not watch, Formula One budgets that people are working with. Like, you know, so so. You, but you also you look at Formula Two, which is the next series down, and there's yeah. you know, Formula One has basically you know two guys to hold the car, two guys per wheel, one guy at the front, one guy at the back. Formula Two only has one guy per wheel, right? So it, mm-hmm. or, so it's not like you know you don't have this. Uh, they're all in the same car. They're all in the same, you know, spec car. It's just the paint that's different. And then for the junior formulas, it shows them basically like who are the good drivers, right? Like we're all competing. And I'm not saying that we should all be on the same bike, right? And have to run the same width tires and this, that, and the other. But I mean, it does show like who the good, who the good riders are or drivers in in this case. Um, And that, you know, in formula two, again, there's just like one person per wheel and everybody's, stuck it's not like you know pit crews and f1 have more people because they have more money like mercedes and red bull don't have 10 guys in the pit they have the same number of guys that are working there so right yeah i mean and and like you were saying like i mean if it's within the rules people are gonna push those limits right and and i think that's fine like i have no qualms with what happened this year like i, th- I think if you could have a if you were allowed to have a power washer, if you were allowed to swap your entire drivetrain, like why wouldn't you if you had the resources mm-hmm. to do that? I just think at some point it is going to, you know, kind of push push some people out of the sport um, because it just becomes too challenging to, you know, like what is Unbound going to be like the one race you get to do every year because it costs you five figures to, to figure out the logistics for it? Yeah, dude, not very with the spirit. <laughs> 
So this this is going to be this is going to be an episode full of controversy because I've got two more controversial things that all I right. want to talk about. Um, all right, so let's move on to well, actually, while we're talking about the women's race, because you bring up Sophia, so they they separated the pro men start and the pro women start, and then the amateur start. And the intention of doing that was so that the women could have their own race. The way that it played out, and it was probably partially due to the mud, but the way that it played out was the win- it it didn't matter. Like the mud separated the women completely. And then the women were working with men. Either they were working with men that they had caught from the pro race, or they were working with amateur men that, that, that had caught them from the amateur race. And it was just the same as it's always been. The women didn't have their own race. They were working with men. Um, so personally, what I think is a solution to this and is a solution to another problem that we're going to talk about, which is the sprint finish and the finish line is I think, I think at this point they've already separated the pro start and the amateur start. They just need to have the pro race on Sunday on a separate day. Dude, how about this? What if the pro race ran the course backwards? Sure. (laughs) Sure. You imagine Dude, it, I mean, if you not to jump ahead, but like, can you imagine the pro race running backwards? And like, there was already, there's going to be so many people that get t-boned because this whole yeah. group of dudes. Oh, is you mean backwards like, on the same day? Yeah. At like yeah. Wow, you're just looking watts. for carnage. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I so, say that because I could see someone doing it and thinking it was a good idea, and it'd be a horrible idea. Yeah. So I know, I know that there are going to be some people who just heard me say that and are going to be like all up in arms because they're like, oh, gravel is about like, you know, riding with the pros. And it was already dumb this year that they separated the pros and amateurs. I know that some people have that take. Um, so there's multiple reasons why I think that's a good idea. One is it solves this problem of the women having their own race, because if the pro men and pro women do start on Sunday and there's enough of a time gap between their starts, the women will, in fact, have their own race. Um, the second issue is that we saw this year the sprint finish was super dicey with people finishing the 100-miler. Um, like, Keegan had to sprint through a group of dudes to to win the race. Um, that solves that issue as well. I mean, you could also solve that issue by having a separate separate lane for the 200 finishers and the 100 finishers. But, um, and then the third issue that it solves is that when you're finishing, so the last 40 miles of the 200, the pros are passing 100 mile riders nonstop. It's just constant, like a constant line of passing 100 mile riders. And the issue with that is that every time we pass them, we have to take the bad line. Like we have to take the slower line. And also it's a safety thing. I was riding with, uh, in the last five miles, I was riding with Larry Warbass and Tobin. And there was like a guy swerving on the gravel. And I, I think that Tobin like hit him and the guy fell over, (laughs) um, (laughs) So I hope he was okay. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't stop to check because I was trying to beat Larry and Tobin at that point. Um, hopefully he was all right. If he's listening, you maybe probably, reach out and you, let us know. You probably just lost a subscriber by that. Movie. <laughs> probably. I'm not the one who hit him though. Um, you didn't although stop. I was the one, I was the one pulling the group along. So I, you know, I could have maybe avoided that guy better, but mandatory um, bells for the 200 riders. 
So, but like, <laughs> this is, this is why I think having the pro race on, on, on Sunday and then all the amateurs can also watch the pro race too. Um, yes, yes. I yes. think that's a good idea. They do I don't, the, I, um, I just don't understand. Series. Like if you want to ride with the pros, then maybe unbound requires all the pros get there on Monday and you, in in order to do the pro race, you have to do one of the group rides, right? You have to okay. do one of the pre-rides and people can jump in whichever pro they want to ride with. There's your chance to ride with they're the pros. You're going to really, ride with, they're not right. Yeah. They're not riding with the pros. They're just starting with the pros. I know. And that's, that's what I don't understand. And that's what doesn't make any sense about any of this is like, you're, you're starting you with the pros. You're never start, riding yeah, with them. Like, you never get to like, see them. So like, why wouldn't you want to like do your race, get cleaned up, go home, shower, you know, take, take a, you know, six hour nap overnight, wake up the next morning and get to actually watch your favorite pros. Like that seems like a way cooler experience to me. It is a cooler experience, but it's not the way that we like, uh, position bike racing in the U S right. It's like you, if you go to a crit, the, there's always the amateur fields that race first and then the elite fields go. If you do a cross race, it's, Oh, here's the, the amateur fields. And, and gravel race is the same way. Everybody does the same course and you get, but, but what's sick about that? Theory. You're, if you're a cat five though, you get to do your race and then Stick you get to stand on the sidelines and watch the pros do the same course and you get to like learn from them. You, you could do it in, in the same, you could, you could do it in the same day, but it's just such a long race that like it would fit. But yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I don't think because of how long unbound is, I just really don't think that there's a way to do it in the same day. Right. Right. The way, yeah. yeah, the reason it has to be on separate days is just because of the length. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but no one like, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit, uh, like just coming from the cycle cross, like no one hangs around on Sunday. Most be because people come from out of town and they want to, mm-hmm. they got to drive home. You know, they came from all over the country or, you know, around the globe to do this race. Like, on Sunday, they're getting their bikes packed or just throwing them in the trash and then, you know, going to the airport and flying home. I like, bet a lot of people would be there. I bet a bunch of people would be there for the start. But yeah, that's I don't their see, choice, I would, though, right? I, I mean, like you at least give them the option for the finish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but I, I, there I already isn't saying. there already isn't a lot of people there because they're all out there riding like. Yeah, there's zero yeah. people there. Yeah, like none, none of the riders are there except for the right, ones that are in the everybody's way. Everybody's still out racing by the time the pros show up. So either way, well, it's still there's zero people at the finish. So, so they used to do this with epic rides, mountain bike races, um, where where the the pros would race on Sunday, the amateurs would race on Saturday. You know, and maybe there was a thousand amateurs on Saturday and. 30% of those stuck around to spectate on Sunday, but that was still 30% more than when they switched it to racing us on the same day and 0% of those people were watching. Well, like yeah, it was, because it was they way went, better they to have some spectators. First. Yeah. And they sent the right. pros off first. And well, so then if, it was like Keegan and Russell at last, the last Epic rides, they finished, you know, hours before hours. Ahead what of if the, they did, what the if they did the field, pros yeah. on Saturday? Cause people are going to be, sh- there's people are going to show up the day before, like, I mean, what if they yeah, did the they pros could do that on too. Saturday and then the amateurs on Sunday. What if they, they just started the too. pros at? What if they just started the pros like four hours? Like send the send the amateurs off at ten a.m. or not? Sorry, not ten a.m. Whatever ungodly hour, Six five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, send the amateurs off at five o'clock in the morning, and then everybody doing the two hundred leaves at nine. A reasonable mm, doesn't solve hour. anything though because that is yeah, the worst gonna, idea yeah, you've had you're so still far. End up finishing <laughs> with people everywhere, yeah. That yeah. Is the now, now the pro field is going to ride through the entire field. Yeah. Twilight crit to finish. It's circuit laps. 
So now not only you have Paris-Roubaix style where amateurs and pros are entering the crit course at the same time. I feel like that's quite the spectacle. Hmm. <laughs> the Barry Roubaix does this, or they started doing it two years ago. They just have a separate pro finish where like two miles before yeah. the finish, it splits and the amateurs finish over here and the pros finish over here. That way the two races don't interfere. I mean, it's, it's I, better I definitely than what's think, current. I definitely think they well, need sure. that because At this, race is, this race is going to come down to a sprint finish from here on out, yeah, honestly. So, um, so someone, someone posted in the comments that the town of Emporia won't let them shut down another lane in order to be able to have Why? a separate a separate finish lane and here's here's what i have to say okay then move the finish line it doesn't have to end where it does right like you can well, move also, it to wherever they're going to let you sh- shut it down also no one can drive down that road anyway why does it matter it's whether probably it's a safety wild. thing like they there has to have they probably need like a fire a, like a, yeah. a, a rescue lane or whatever That's usually yeah. what it is yeah dude it's already a safety issue with people sprinting into up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So, but it's yeah, like I don't know, man. So, so instead of like like Drew saying, like instead of the instead of trying to make it where it's like an extended width finish line, make mm-hmm. it a completely separate finish. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw that. Or just like, like it, they, for the for the hundred mile finishers, if you're finishing, you know, at the same time as the two hundred mile finishers, just funnel it down to where like it's like single file. It's like we're just going to try and get you across the finish line here, and then the you know the the sprint finish has one and a half lanes to work with. And that's, Mm. again, I think that comes down to like the way that gravel is currently positioned, which is, you know, you watch a, every, everybody at mid South gets a hug from Bobby after the race. Right. And there is this very like celebrating everybody that, that finishes type vibe that exists again from the outside looking in, there's everybody celebrate everybody that finishes this really hard thing to do which is, you know, respectable. Like, you know, for some people riding a hundred miles is going to be the longest ride that they ever do. And they might never do it again. So like we should celebrate that and, and totally give them props. But you saw that in 2022 that that race came down to a sprint finish. And wasn't there a guy that was like, thought everybody was cheering for him. I don't know if he actually thought that, but he's like in the picture with Keegan, you know, or, uh, who won last year? Evar. <laughs> Evar and Keegan. Dude, and he's dude. just like, yeah, like I, I finished, and people are like, "Get out of the way, <laughs> move!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you, did you see the finishing? Did you see the finishing picture this year? I mean, so no. like he, the Keegan's picture, he cropped, or either the photographer cropped it or he cropped it, so it was just him. But if you actually look at the entire finish line, there's there's Keegan crossing the finish line, and then there's four other hundred milers crossing the finish line at the exact same time. How and how yeah. no, climactic is that? I mean, like, I get it. Like, and, and I and I'm totally on board. Like, I I think it's awesome that gravel's kind of attracted everyone. That there's people out there who want to race a hundred or two hundred miles. Like, you know, more power to them. I mean, that's kind of the the marathon style of of bike racing is what gravel is. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you would never see like the Chicago Marathon come down to a sprint finish, and there'd be other people on the finish line. Like, no, it's always the person who wins gets to cross the line, break the red tape, and it's like, and it's just the finish photo of like that front group. So, like, Can you okay, there's got to be a way. Totally, I totally feel what you're saying because when I went to BWR, I'm not, I'm not like to- toot my own horn on a, on an 18th finish or anything like that, but I finished with like 10 other people and it was just like the guy is just like, oh, and here we've got blah, 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 Drew Dillman, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. 
I should be, you know, come on, give me some more credit than that. Like these guys are not even, these guys are amateurs. Like what the heck? Like I totally felt a little bit of that. I'm like, if, if, it yeah. And, and here's, race, here's what I have to say is like, like call out the pros a little bit better. Like these big gravel races, so they, a lot the, of the promoters, people, a lot of people would argue the, a lot of people no. drew would argue the opposite that like gravel is about the amateur and the finisher. And I, I love that you said that. Cause actually, that's right. That's where I was trying to go with pissed. this. Yeah, They're actually I'm a pissed that the too. pros Come are getting on. too much recognition. All right, so, yeah, so like here's what I have to say. The pros are getting too much recognition. Here's, Dude, here's what like, I have to say, Dylan. And, and, all right, go at him. Go at him. Nobody Adam. celebrates like like the NC, like whatever, the, the, the minor leagues. It's like we, we respect pros because of how much time and dedication and effort they've put into their sport and their pros. So, like, mm-hmm. give them the credit they deserve. I totally, like, I, I mean, I see what you guys are saying, too, but I feel like there's two sides of it. All right, yeah, Adam, so, Adam, so here, here's what I have to say, is all these promoters, it's it's like there's there's a battle or, like, a competition for who can promote the amateur side of the sport better, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, who can be most inclusive and welcoming and put on, like, the most fun event that, you know, that attracts, like, anyone and everyone. And I think that's awesome because it, it really has grown the sport a lot in the U S gravel has like taken off like nothing ever before, or at least not for a very long time, probably since like the heyday of mountain biking, like it's just super popular and it's amazing. We're seeing international riders coming here. And, and I think it's, I think that's awesome. But what I have to say is if you were to just say like 2024 unbound is for the amateurs only like pros are not invited, Right. There's no way that it gets anywhere close to the publicity that it does. And the publicity mm-hmm. is what attracts the people yeah. Like at the end of the day. That's Unbound was an amateur say. race for, for a dozen years before Ted King showed up and raced it and won it in 2016 or whatever it was. And like no one had heard of Unbound. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so like... I had, I, what's the guy? Leland? Is that the guy's name who puts on the race? I had dinner with him once because uh, him and Amanda are good friends. And I remember being at the dinner table and he literally said, we don't give an F about the Amanda Namans and the Drew Dillmans. We're out here for Joe Schmo and his blue jeans. Who's trying? Yeah. And I was like, I'm, and, 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 I'm thinking, and that's fine. I'm thinking, and I, yeah, that sounds really cool. But exactly what Adam just said, if the Drew Dillmans, yeah. Amanda Namans, Keegan Swinson's, I'm not even in the with, same category as those. Without, but without those, the without the, the Amanda Nellmans and the yeah, where's the hype? There, yeah, there's there's no there's no stigmata with the 55 mil clearance. There's no factor whatever your aero gravel bike is like, you know that like the the industry cares about the front of the race like whether the promoters do or not like because there's there's pros that are showing up to these races and the the industry relies on those pros for heaps and heaps of marketing. So like you take the pros out of the equation and and I think the indus- I think the gravel side of thing drops off. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna come at it from the other side though, which is if you take the amateurs out of the equation, a lot of these events don't exist anymore. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Only they need each other. 100%. They need each other. Exactly. So it's the same. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I'm not arguing that either. No, I don't think I don't think anybody's arguing against having amateur fields. I'm just saying that having you know joe schmo and his blue jeans rock up and pay a whatever it is thousand dollar entry fee to do unbound i don't know what it is it's just a made up he should he should he should spend 10 percent of that on some bibs (laughs) do the Huffmaster. uh (laughs) like having having that guy show up right that that is what keeps these events coming back from year to year it's not the pros that you know 
email and can I get a free entry? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring my pit crew five and they're all going to have, you know, uh, burritos at whatever restaurant in Emporia. Like those people don't keep the race afloat. It's the people who are paying to, to show up to like train all year just to do this one ride. Like that's what keeps those events coming back around. And it's, you know, unfortunately, you know, we are talking about like, uh, have a different pro race, have a different amateur race, but like they both need to exist. We just need to figure out a better way for them to coexist. And when it comes to the finish, 100%. like when it comes to the finish, Oh my God, it was like, I mean, I watched the, I think the, the, maybe I sent this to you or someone sent it to me that was like the Velo worthy video and they had the finish and like they interviewed Peter Vakic and he was like, it was too, it was too dicey. It was too dangerous for me to pass in the finish. If the 200 milers have a different finish, does Keegan win that sprint? Now we don't know what happened for the last five miles before that. So, but like you see the clip of the finish and Keegan wins, like, was he just the one that threaded the needle between a couple hundred mile finishers and like just happened to get it right. And like Peter was boxed in and couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. make it through. Or if he, if he tried to make it through, he would hook somebody and like cause a big crash. Like one shout out to, to Peter for not risking his life or, you know, injury, injury of other people for that finish. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, having the same finish, just changes the complexion of the race you know having the same course that people are you're as you said dylan you're having to dodge 100 mile riders on the whole way in Mm -hmm. and like if you have to take a bad line and there's a sharp rock in that bad line that changes the complexion of the race and so you know as long as there's going to be prestige and money on this race then they have to figure out something to do so that the outcome is based on your fitness and your ability to manage your equipment not I got a flat because I had to dodge, you know, people stretched across the entire road in the last five miles yeah. and I got a flat or I couldn't do my sprint because, you know, Joe Schmo was finishing in his blue jeans. Turns out he was pretty fast, you know, and he got in the way. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think that people, people need to realize that if you, if you win unbound, uh, that, that is a career making victory. If, if you're, so for Keegan, he already gets paid so much. Um, he's, you know, he's probably getting to get bonuses for the race for sure. But let's just take someone like, I don't know, let's take Lance, for example. You know, we don't know how much Lance is getting paid, but I'm assuming it's not that much. <laughs> no, Lance hated. Oh, <laughs> what place did he get? He wasn't at the race. He had. Oh, that's he right. Having knee issues. Knee issues. Yeah, that's unfortunately, because right. he did pretty well last year. I think he got twelfth. All right. Anyway, let's let's just say, for example, he wins Unbound. That's Legion. That's definitely a, renewing his contract. That's then. a six. Well, dude, forget Legion, man. That's <laughs> six figures next year that he's probably going to make. So. There's a there's a lot on the line. Which race? Um, which race would Dylan want to win if he had to win any race? <laughs> we all know. <laughs> I mean, speaking of speaking of, like the the comment in in that video was you know someone asked like why why don't the 200 have their own finish line right or the pros have their own mm-hmm. finish line and and Adam as you pointed out it was well the city of Emporia can't block another lane because and I'm sure it's for emergency services etc. And someone someone made a good point was like, man, like the city of Emporia probably shouldn't, you know, shoot the golden cow or the golden goose that makes lays its egg every year. Right. I mean, I've never been to Emporia. I can't attest to 
if it's a cool town or not. I know there's a college there, but I mean, if if Unbound isn't happening in Emporia, Kansas, how many people there? You don't have that influx of people that come in every year, and yeah. you know, is it the case that Lifetime, unfortunately, has uh, or fortunately has the weight and the pull to say, you know what, we're just going to move it to Olathe and we're going to finish on Garmin's headquarters or something like that? You know, they're they could move the race if they if they wanted to. I feel like they have that much pull, but at the same time, it's you know. Lifetime needs to work together with the city to say, look, like this is <laughs> this is really dangerous and this is becoming bigger and bigger every year, especially with Lifetime's, you know, influence. So we need to figure out mm-hmm. something instead of, you know, having a hundred rider, hundred mile finishers run the risk of being injured or or changing the complexion of the of the pro race. Art, is there more drama? Did Pete did, did Pete complain about something? Like what's come on, let's hear it. What did <laughs> no, Pete complain think- about? I don't. Th- I don't think Pete complained. If you about listen anything. to this podcast, he's really going to hate us. <laughs> I me. wish we had. I wish, dude. I wish we were Boswell. we were roasting Boswell on the last podcast. Yeah, like, making dude, a, you called I, him an if idiot I ever start at one point. Gravel, I'm gonna like. I'm not going in with many friends. <laughs> You're gonna be like, okay, so part of the back. Dylan's gonna be Boswell, my only friend. <laughs> Boswell listened to the last. Boswell listened to the last podcast, and he was Uh-oh. like, "Yeah, that was a good podcast, man." Like I think he realized he was in the wrong after Gravel Locos. Did he say he's going to yeah, start time trialing? No. Oh. <laughs> if I could influence him, I, I, I mean, I wish I wish Ian was able to come on so that we could actually hear how the how the finish played out. Yeah, no, nah, because nice. no one will I ever know. Feel comfortable like making fun of him if he was on the. I mean, that, that was probably the next. Somebody, the, if yes. that's probably the next controversy, right? Is is how terrible the coverage was, like. You have literally the biggest gravel race in the world, and no one knows who won the damn race until like five minutes later when they post about it on Instagram. It was so good. That's the thing, though. It was so good. Like they had what someone on an e bike riding with the front group up these like sections of hills, and like they were doing live store, like or sorry reels, and adding it to their stories. So like you could keep up with the race of like you know. Up, up, I don't know, remember what the name of the hills were, but they had someone there with a GoPro yeah, I it was or with way a phone. Good. Adam, like, what are you talking about? No, until the finish, when you got to the exactly when you got oh, to the finish, they I didn't had watch a, all of them. Basically, I just watched a, the beginning. <laughs> when you got to the finish, they had a a cart or like a, a four wheeler or whatever um, that with someone with a, a cell phone video and like let's give them a pass that you know maybe they don't have T-Mobile or Verizon and their coverage is shit. Like that's I will I will give them a pass cricket. for that. But same thing. They like, got that cricket in ninety nine. If you have in the yeah in the middle of Kansas, like how good can the signal really be on on all the providers? <laughs> but like if yeah, to your point, like dude, I was trying to stream in and and I wanted to see this finish right because it's you know it's coming down to a sprint. But man, like, can you just do a follow vehicle? Can you do a like? Why is that cart? in front of the group and then they're speeding ahead. So they're not giving a pull to anybody because these guys are attacking and like they're speeding ahead and you can't like, there were times where you couldn't even see the group anymore because they took a turn. Uh, the cart did in front of the, in front of the riders. And you're just like, you're watching on a cell phone. It's super small. And then they just flip to the finish line, which is shot from a terrible angle. And you just can't see like what's happening. It's in, you know, I don't know. It was, I give people credit for trying to do a live stream and obviously there's probably logistical issues, but again, like, man, that's, 
that was a real yeah, like, like the biggest drop like the off. people involved the people involved that were shooting the footage like it's not their fault they were they were working right. with what they were dealt mm-hmm. whoever's responsible for giving those people the resources that they need to get those shots though it's it's like it's their fault because yeah it was just it was just not quality and like you know you, you tune in to the live feed and there's at one point there was like over 3000 people tuning in which like is really not that many people but still if you're going to have like people tuning in to watch the end of this race like at least somehow give them a shot so they know who won like we literally like Scott Tyler and I were texting like who won the race like it, it looked like Lachlan could have won people in the comments were saying like Lachlan and that Peter guy won and then all of a sudden it comes out that Keegan won and we're like where did that even come from like you couldn't see anything Scott was tuned into the live stream. If that tells you anything, yeah. the fact that Dude, Scott McGill Scott was is, tuned Scott in is to the live way, stream. Scott is way more tuned in to like what's going on in bike racing than he leads on. He like he followed when when we were roommates, all he did all day was watch bike racing. All right, here's another little He must have he must have yeah, he was watching it all night too cuz it was like definitely past his bedtime in Europe. <laughs> Let's just tear another page out of the whole crit racing book. But one thing they started doing this year in crits is live drone footage. Like talk about some wicked awesome like footage. Yeah. It's pretty Why cool. Why could they not have had a drone up there? I live 100% drone agree. footage. It's like totally safe. As long as it's like a professional driver or flyer. I don't know what you call those people. Droner, <laughs> a professional droner pilot is pilot. Drone, pilot. pilot. There we go. <laughs> um, it, that, that, I mean, I thought that's like, when I go back and watch the live replays of some of these crits, it's like, well, that looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, we have the resources yeah. in 2023 to be able to, like, produce coverage. And I know that it takes money. I know that it's there's probably logistical worries. I don't know, man. Like, have someone give you the campus Wi-Fi login so that way you can stream something. And it's just, you know, again, we're talking about, like, the prestige <laughs> and the, like, the all of the things that come with this race, right? It's no longer just an amateur race of people riding 200 miles and in the Flint Hills of Kansas, there's big money in this and like it it can change your career. So why are we not dedicating more to like publicizing this event in the right way with a separate finish and with like, I mean, you don't have to live stream the whole race. Like I sure as hell wouldn't watch that, but I'd I'd watch the last 10 K of the race, you know, with a drone or with a follow you know, moto or something like that, where I can see what's happening and not, you know, have to read through Instagram posts of who got what place in the lifetime Grand Prix. Uh, but you know, I was 177th out of the, you know, the actual ride. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and somehow, somehow last year, lifetime had in the budget to, to set up live streaming. It was supposed to be for all the races halfway through the year. What was it? Flow sports, you know, they, they, they cut the contract early. Maybe they ran out of, of funds or something, but somehow it was in the budget last year to live stream these things. Like take a little bit I of mean, that. I like they cut that out completely I, this year. Like take a little bit of that and just at least live stream the last hour of all the races. Like you don't have to do the whole I, race. Like no one's tuning in sure. for 10 hours. I, th- I think what they real, I think what flow sports realized is that it's really freaking hard to cover a 10 hour race in the middle of Kansas. And in the middle of, you know, Beaver, Utah or Leadville, Colorado, like it's very hard. It's 
it's super logistically hard to do. So they were like, yeah, we're not going to do this. Why is it? I don't, I mean, I don't know that much about what it takes to live stream, but I don't understand why it's that hard. This is, this is like Drew thinking that he can build an app with literally no app building experience. He's like, oh, just Google it. (laughs) It's, It's really hard if you don't, if you don't test it out until the day before. Sure. But like, if you're getting a contract for, you know, who knows how much to live stream the biggest events in the U.S. Like, do some reconnaissance and figure it out, or or don't bid I mean, the project. They, Let yeah. someone else come in and do it. But you don't even, but you don't you don't even need to live stream the whole thing. Like I said, I was I was stoked with the coverage this year that they produced up until the finish, where it's like I could you know flick through Instagram stories, I could catch up and see like I was at the I was at the climbing gym like looking at my phone trying to see like what had happened you know what was the what was the situation at the next checkpoint between social the, media the men's terrible. race and the women's race you should have been enjoying your climbing experience yeah. not looking at your phone <laughs> i mean honestly delete like instagram. like i would have been i would have been delete instagram yeah i would have rather them not had the live instagram live for the last four miles and just like mm-hmm. got video clips and delayed sure. the the announcement of who won the race until they were able to publish those video clips. And like, 100%. sure, you you find out who won the race ten minutes later. That's that's how long it took us to figure out who won the race, anyways. But at least we could have had quality <laughs> video to to tune in to watch. A hundred percent. Maybe I'm not as pissed off about the 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 yeah. race coverage because yeah. I wasn't trying to follow it. I wasn't. Either. I mean, by the time you <laughs> crossed the finish line, they probably had it figured out. They probably they probably already taken down the banners oh, and everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just to me, it's like like you've got literally the biggest gravel race in the world. Mm-hmm. Like there, they, 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 something's got to be better. Yeah, yeah. Dylan, I mean, I so I so I was riding in with uh, Larry Warboss and Tobin. Uh, Who is Tobin Larry took- Warboss? Uh, former Dude. U.S. road national champion, rides for AG2R. Dude, you don't it's know a, Larry Warboss? He's a professional anyway. roadie. <laughs> yeah, so Tobin took out that dude. Uh, <laughs> although I, I gotta say, it's not, it's not Tobin's fault. Like the, like it was just, it was just kind of dumb on all of our parts. Like we were, the, the, the dude was swerving, and we were trying to pass. We, we were, we were passing like one rider per second. Honestly, that's how quick we were passing people, and it's just like inevitably something's going to happen, right? So it's definitely not Tobin's fault, but just, just kind of dumb on all our parts. Um, that didn't happen in the finish. That was like five miles, five miles out. But uh, at the finish, there's, there's that hill. You guys probably don't know, but there's a, there's a hill that's probably in the last mile. Uh, and it's just like a 30 second climb on pavement before you go through the college and into the finishing shoot. And, uh, I just assume that Tobin and Larry are probably better sprinters than I am because, you know, it's a safe assumption. (laughs) I've never sprinted against either one of them, but I, you know, given my track record lately, um, I didn't want to take it down to a sprint so i just attacked as hard as i could on that hill and i dropped both of them in the process so fortunately i didn't have to sprint anyone dropping bombs nice. wow play to your strengths nice or to your yeah. weaknesses yeah <laughs> cool well we've covered it yeah. all well pete really I mean, didn't complain it. about anything come on <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was totally going to be a part of the. I don't think so. I don't think so. Did he finally? Well, I mean, he he made the front group. Like, how much is there to complain? What about? place did he finish? He got, I think, 
sixth or seventh? Has he ever been on the? What's his best finish? Second? Didn't he get second? at unbound? He got, he got second, second to Colin Strickland in 2019. Bummer. I mean, the World Tour do- guys did have a decent showing. Like Boswell was in the group, Lachlan was in the yeah. group, and Pete was in the group. I mean, and Lawrence. Yeah. They're world, and Lawrence. Lawrence. They're world tour. Yeah. Like it's almost mm-hmm. expected, right? Like if they weren't in the league, I don't agree. know, man. I'm there are other, they, there are other world tour riders who come to these gravel races and they don't do well. Like there were ten. There were 10 specialized world tour dudes at, at Big Sugar. I don't think any of them were in the top 10. I don't think no, they were even none trying, of dude. It was like two <laughs> months after their like last race. I mean, I get it, but like I'm just saying and I'm just saying it's not it's not a given that you're a world tour guy and you're gonna win the race by any means. Yeah, I mean I think there's a learning curve, right? Where you have like Tendam, Boswell, Stetna. These guys have all done these gravel races for at least those, a couple of years guys, now. Those three guys that you just listed aren't even world tour. They're they're like retired world tour. I, I guess so, well, I mean, yeah, they're all still pretty young, but like Tin yeah, Man and Stetna are pretty old. Yeah, dude, American Gravel is a retirement league. Like, come on, <laughs> Peter Vakic reti- is not you know World Tour anymore. You know, he was a, a World Tour pro previously. Oh yeah, but, Peter Peter Vakic is oh, also yeah. World Tour. So there are a lot of World Tour riders in that front group. Former is everyone except Keegan and Former. and Russell. Yeah, and Russell. Yeah. Wow. I was surprised that Russell didn't do a better sprint because pacing? he's a decent sprinter, but I think he said that he had like leg cramps going into the sprint. So did Payson race why. after his crash? Yeah, he did race, but I think he pulled out. Mm. So bummer. Um, yeah, the you know I think that probably somebody listening to this podcast would listen to this and be like, "Oh man, so much negativity." I will say that like it. It's definitely logistically hard to put on a 200-mile gravel race, and I I commend the race promoter and all the volunteers and everything. Um, it has been and, a lot of negativity. Let's finish it off with five <laughs> minutes of positivity. Let's go. Show them the mug again, Drew. Show them the mug. <laughs> positivity. Sending vibes your way, cycling partners. No, I mean, they're doing something right. Look how big this race has become. Um, yeah. I mean... I think, what did I, I don't know if I was watching a movie or I saw something, but it said something about, man, haters are never doing better than you are. <laughs> and we're, right now, we're all the haters of Unbound mm. and we're, none of us are doing better than Unbound right now. <laughs> hey, yeah, Everybody's got haters and the haters aren't doing better than you are. I don't know that, I don't know that we're hating. I, I wouldn't say we're hating. I think it's like, it comes from a place of love. We're, we're complaining because mm. we care. Not like, yes. I mean. Yeah, we there was a lot of people. We love you. Com- <laughs> exactly. It pains me so much that you can't do shit right. <laughs> What's that? Uh, it's from a Matthew McConaughey movie, Kate Hudson, and she's How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. She says, I love you, Benny, but I don't have to like you. <laughs> That's how All I right. feel right now. Let's, uh, let's, let's get a couple listener questions in here. We've got a few, like, undone specific ones. It's already an hour and 10 minutes. Dude, this this is a little bit of a I mean it's not a controversial topic but it's a hot topic right now. So this one comes from Kenny G. It says unbound question: How does everyone feel about the cell phones Keegan and Rusty were using? Also, how is texting while on someone's wheel in the front pack less dangerous than arrow bars? Cell phones banned. Twenty twenty four gravel. Well, we already we already know that the arrow bar ban was uh, didn't have anything to do with safety. So you know that that's. Yeah, who, who cares? Like I've already said, I don't care about safety, so I don't care about cell phone use either. I mean, I think that's pretty smart, dude. Bring your cell yeah. phone, tell your pit crew what you need to do. You know, 
Wow. What I think I mean, could have been are smarter. They're taking selfies. Like, what's selfies, texts, <laughs> whatever. I mean, you yeah, ain't gramping, you ain't graveling. <laughs> I'm going to make Why, that. Like, I, thought it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was funny that Keegan and, and Rusty both had burner phones, they said, instead of like their normal cell phones. Yeah. They got, dude, they got the SE because it's lighter for racing. Is that really? <laughs> burner yeah. phones? Like, like not their real. Yeah, no, that's not like the. That's not the normal. That's not the normal phone they use. They got like smaller, lighter phones for racing. Talk about the Games. haves and the have-nots. Dang, <laughs> <laughs> I have a race phone. <laughs> Dang, I got my race bike yeah. and my race phone. I mean, it's, do you think it's, they had their like, race? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, do you think they had their race playlist on their burner phone? Oh, for sure, dude. They both they had didn't headphones have, on, too. They didn't have two phones, right? Like, you're saying they just had one phone? Dude, I did a... Yeah, no, they had two phones. Uh, I did a video on whether or not music impacts your cycling performance, and there there is research that shows that listening to music improves cycling performance. You don't need and research like, for that, man. Just go go do some training without headphones. I, it sucks. Dude, I know, man. I know, man. And I'm like, I'm like, man, that's actually kind of smart. You know, if if the race allows it and and they have those he- those headphones that are open ear so they can still hear what's going on around them. So I don't think really it's that big a safety concern. I'm like, that is that is pretty smart because that probably kept kept them in the zone when they were out there for 10 hours. Just imagine if you were out there for eleven with music, and then imagine that your <laughs> your your headphones died. Bummer. Now you're. Dude, I, they know, probably, I, I bet you. I bet you they switch headphones at the aid stations because the headphones that they have, <laughs> I don't know, they're, they're Bluetooth. I don't know if they. Now you got to have extra Bluetooth last. headphones too, and a guy to put them on. Um, yeah. No. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's. I think it's smart. Like if you have a phone. Even if you were riding with your phone in the first place, I mean, you got to text someone to, if you're doing the XL, you got to text someone to pick you up at mile 240. Um, but I mean, I think like it's smart to just text your pit crew so that they know what's happening, you know, instead of just pure yeah. chaos of like, yeah. what do you want? What do you want? It's like, yeah. I can't, I probably couldn't think, you know, 160 I mean, miles deep. So, so all I was going to say was like, if, you know, like if they want to make it a little safer, like they probably could have just called their pit crew since they mm-hmm. had headphones anyways. Hmm. But like, I don't think this is a new thing. Like, I've been texting my pit crew for the last couple of years whenever I go to a gravel race, and I've got someone there. I, like, I I am making the same statement that I make with aero bars. I'm done caring about safety. We're riding in the heat for 200 miles. It's already not safe. Like, take some risk. Risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> um. Okay. Next question. True or false? Unbound year. is basically an Dylan unbound is basically an eating contest. Care about safety. <laughs> All right, sorry. Adam, what'd you say? Uh, uh, this is from Ben. He says, "Unbound is basically an eating contest." True or false? Uh, sure, that's definitely part of the race. <laughs> false that's because sure they're all the drinking race. flow formulas. Use my code. It's a drinking. It's a drinking contest for fifty. That is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the answer to that is yes. All right, next question. Um, how many unbound questions do we have? Like, do we need to hustle through these? Are there any Snake Alley questions? <laughs> absolutely not i do have to say because well I'm, uh, this is gonna sound, this is gonna kind of ruin it but kate oh, bigmore didn't race the last two days he probably would have won all four days had he raced so mm-hmm. me winning the last day is kind of dampened by that but hey a win is a win i mean you can only beat the people who show up right yeah okay exactly. this one this one might be super controversial 
I don't, um, I don't know. Any, I don't know anything about it, but uh, okay, this one is is from our listener playing bikes. He's the one who always sends in like the uh, the rapid fire questions. But something about rain, Rowada, skipping course, getting in a car, still finishing the race, and he says, "Is rain the new Roberge?" Which I don't get that part because I don't I don't remember Adam <laughs> Roberge ever skipping the course. But anyways, Rain didn't turn himself in. The timing guy says as much. Where is his integrity? I, I didn't hear anything about this. Uh, Dylan, Did you? I don't know if you have. I, I didn't yeah. hear about it. I've, yeah. I've heard a lot about. I've heard a lot about this. So first of all, Rain is the cycling spirit guy who's got the weird handlebars. Um, oh every, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know he's got the weird handlebars and he's got the crazy kit with like the caution tape all over it. He's that guy. And I I, I rode with him. He's a, he's a, he's got a fruit company and he sent me fruit before. It's pretty good. And also I rode with him when I was down in Austin, Texas. Um, he was like part of our zone two aerodynamic battle where we were just like staying in zone two, but trying to see who could be more aero to go faster. Sounds <laughs> um, fun. <laughs> yeah. <Nerds>. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, so this is what happened to rain rain in the mud section blew up his derailleur and his bike was not rideable. And then at shortly after the mud section, he got picked up by his coach, uh, because he was going to DNF the race, but his coach had to go back to the first aid station at mile 80 because there he's, he's pitting for other riders other than just rain. So he goes back to the aid station at mile 80 with rain and rain, I, I talked to Rain on the phone and he said, Rain said, uh, I'm going to, uh, I was just going to help out riders. But then he was like, he, he, he got his derailleur fixed. And then he was like, you know, I didn't come all the way to Kansas just to ride 11 miles. Like I, I want to, I want to actually get in a solid ride today. So he rode the rest of the course from mile 80 to two, you know, two Oh five. So he did like what two thirds of the race or something. Mm. Uh, and I, and I told him on the phone, I was like, dude, you should definitely, you should definitely contact the race promoter and say that you didn't finish the race because this is gonna, this is gonna blow up in your face. Yeah. And I saw like someone sent me the gravel locos post and Fabian was, I, I, I don't, obviously I don't know this, like who rain is. I don't really follow any gravel influencers except for Dylan. And Keegan, um, but like obviously, oh, wait, I, don't do I think the, the issue I'm a crit is influencer. <laughs> I think the issue is when people take it too far, right? And like personally attack this person. Like if he got disqualified, if he's out yeah. of the results, like that's the end of it. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to take it any further than just being like, yeah, okay, the the end result is is solved. All right, so, I got to roll. Are we done with this pony? Did we jump the shark? I mean, you can, you can just bounce if you want to bounce all right i'm bouncing do we have more yeah. do we have more questions or no i'm, I'm, I'm I mean, uh, we have a boatload of we got a ton of unbound questions honestly I'm, like i'm, uh, I'm bouncing out of we might need bound. to do a whole effort all right we'll see you dizzle um we might need to let's like do, do like two more list. let's do okay. like two more unbound questions and then we'll okay so this we'll guy bounce. says how did you like also, you should probably bike. text dizzle and tell him to you should probably text dizzle and tell him that he needs to fully upload oh, yeah there. but all right okay. continue how did you like Lachlan's bike at Unbound with the mismatched wheels? He had a 2.1 front tire, normal gravel tire, and he also had 39, 53 chain rings. Too small chain rings. All right, but the tires? 
two small of chain rings. Two, that's a 53 on 39, two dude. That's ridiculous, man. No, I had, had a 50, 50, 50, 53, 30, 39. 30, 30, it was a two by. Yeah. Like oh, road. no, dude. That's what I like to see. That's what I like Should've to see. I thought you said 30. I thought you said 39 was the big chain ring. 53 no, no. is what I, I mean. I run a 52 chip. I run yeah, a 52 I, tooth. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I think it's fine. I run a 52 and people are like, are you actually using the 5211? Yes. Way more than I was using my, my smallest gear. So yes, that's, that's what I like to see. That's awesome. What was his tire combo? He had a 2.1 mountain bike tire up front and then a standard like 40 mil gravel tire in the back. Yeah. Probably for like mud clearance or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, that's yeah, cool. I, I have no beef with that setup. I mean, he, he went with the mud clearance in the back and he went with the more, uh, I mean, honestly, I've said this on this podcast before. I think a really fast rolling mountain bike tire has a lower rolling resistance than a lot of the gravel tires on the market. So the only issue with that is that when you get to a tire that wide, there is quite a big aerodynamic penalty. So it's just, you know, you got to weigh out the, the rolling resistance and the aerodynamics. Yeah. I, uh, run in the drop our mountain bike this last week. I definitely, there's definitely an aerodynamic drag that they have to account for. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, this one's funny. This one's from Doug. He says, my friend just sent me a picture of his new Maxis refuse tires and I actually cringed. Do I tell him or keep a, keep it quiet? Tire talk podcast hysteresis. I guess the question is, are you trying to, are you trying to like beat this guy in any local races or trying to take any of his KOMs? Cause if so, then don't tell him. But if you're, if you're general, genuinely want this guy to ride faster, you should definitely tell him. Agreed. All right. Next question. Uh, Okay. This one's the OG gravel junkie says greetings from Wichita. What do you think of the idea that uh, these races would require pro participants to use a spot tracker. Lots of cyclists love dot watching bike events. This would allow mm-hmm. us to see how well our favorite bonk bros, Keegan and so on are doing in real time instead of having to wait until the event is over. Love the format of the pod. And I'm always looking forward to the next release of the episode, episode, uh, gravel junkie. Um, um, the three fifty uses a spot tracker. Yeah. I, I was refreshing that a lot <laughs> watching the three fifty. <350. laughs> Yeah. yeah. So the thing with the spot tracker is that I don't think everybody's spot tracker updates at the same time. So sometimes it'll look like some dude is way behind when he's not, in fact, behind. Like they're all just in a group. Uh, but it does give you a gen- general idea of how how well they're doing. So, I mean, I think that could be. Yeah, cool. I mean, they did have live live timing every like 15 miles. There was like a um, timing mat that you had to ride across probably. So, you know, as long as you weren't like folding your number plate in half, like Dylan always does, uh, you probably would have gotten some updates. I By the way, texted, I, I texted Adam and Scott and was like, is, is Dylan even racing? Like you weren't even in like the timing <laughs> for the first couple of races. I just didn't know that there uh, were yeah. four pages that I could scroll through. So <laughs> it turns out that was the issue. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I don't, I can't believe I forgot to do this, but yo, shout out to our last podcast guest, Logan Casper. He won the 350. We had the 350 winner on the podcast. The bump yeah, pros did. bump. Any, uh, yes. any gravel pros that want to boost in their performance. So, so his bike set, I think his bike setup was the reason he won the race, man. Like so many 100%. of the 350 dudes 
so many of the 350 dudes had issues in the mud. Like they had an even longer mud section than the 200. I think they had like a 12 mile mud section or something crazy like that. So but, you think with his drop bar mountain bike, like his, his frame didn't clog up? Well, here's what he said. He said he got on the grass, like the, the grass on the side and he just rode the entire mud section on the grass and it was fine. Sick. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, this person asks if, this is nice result, DJ. Oh, it's from David. Uh, for muddy sections, do you think a narrower tire would be a better choice? It seemed that performance in the mud slash clearance was more important than rolling resistance. I'll just quickly add yes for those four miles, but I don't know for the other 200 plus miles. Like I, I'm sure you would, you would kind of argue that your tires were better for the majority of the race. Right. I mean, you missed the front group. Yeah, well, right? I did. So I, I switched out the 47 Pathfinder in the rear to a 44 Slick for the yeah. mud clearance. So, yes, I do think that skinnier tires were better for mud clearance. Uh, I guess I didn't go skinny enough because my frame was still clogging, but I, everyone's frame was clogging, dude, except for Keegan, I guess. So, I mean, his Keegan's frame looked pretty clogged, too. It's just, yeah, who knows? Kept pushing through it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We've got a bunch more. Should we keep going or do we oh. have any quick ones? Dude, your is your mom's name Liz? No. Oh, maybe that's what what is Liz? Maybe ask? that's um I don't know. I, I posted during the during the event uh Logan Casper winning, but then I also posted and and so Liz responded and said under twenty four hours. So yeah, Logan finished in under twenty four hours, which is sick. Um and then I posted yours top mm. twenty and Liz mm-hmm. responded proud mom. You sure it's not your mom? Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my mom. <laughs> All right. Well, Liz is so Thank you, mom. Liz. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, okay, good. A bunch of these are actually just just like fire emojis in response to my uh, my stories. So we're knocking okay. some of these out. All right. I think we can wrap it there. We'll yeah. We'll, we'll get to some of these listener questions later. This yeah. Has been a, this has been a hot episode. Very controversial. Lots of lots of lots of beef and lots of arguing. I don't know if there was a lot of arguing, but yeah, a lot of a lot of we're all a lot of hot topics page. for sure, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's wrap cool. it up. We'll see you guys. See ya, Tyler. See ya. Thanks, thanks for yeah. eating that hot dog all episode. Hey man, just <laughs> put me into the Nathan's hot dog eating episode next month. I'm good. All right, we'll do competition. All right, all right. okay, peace. See ya. <laughs>